Hey everyone, I am Barrett Gruber, host of the All About Nothing podcast, and because you listen to my show, you know that our family grows with every guest. And one of our family has had a tragedy in their family that could use our help. Friend of the show and podcaster, the diligent dabber, host of the Dad Who Dabs, recently suffered a house fire. Now the damage is described as mostly exterior and attic, but the fire took out the electricity, which now requires they live in a nearby hotel. This family of four, diligent dabber, his wife, and two boys, six and eleven, and they're in need of help, and I'm asking for everyone's assistance. Please visit their GoFundMe page through this address, barrett.gr slash helpthedabber. Regardless of the amount, it all helps to get this family back into their home. Again, barrett.gr slash helpthedabber. Every single bit helps. Thank you very much for letting me interrupt. Include strong, violent, and sexual content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And, and we, we are, are Status Macabre. Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre. Hello, hello. Hey there. I want to say, hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. But I, I can't that. take that because that's already like, there's someone else who does a show and she says that and I'm super jealous of it because... Because we didn't think of it first. Exactly. Yeah, that sucks. It does. It sucks. We'll have to come up with something else. <laughs> I hope everybody had a great week. Oh, yeah. A fantastic week. Busy week. And yeah. it is hot. It's summer. I don't have any exciting news outside. It's just hot. Well, I mean, I'm excited about your about this episode. And you'll have to forgive me. I'm drinking my coffee this morning. I had... It's not even fucking morning anymore i know but i i didn't finish it i drink my one cup of coffee and then i'm done for the day i'm not one of those people who drinks it throughout the day and i know you're turning up your freaking nose at me because carrie doesn't like coffee and why i don't know i think she's got something like shit if you you give me a cup of coffee that i don't care how much sugar you put in it i don't care how much (sighs) cream you put in it it tastes like an ashtray so (laughs) fuck all of you you're you're drinking the wrong kind of coffee i've had it however i've had what is the one where you mix and it's a... Like cappuccino? I've had cappuccino. It still tastes like there's ashtray ashes in there somewhere. That's it's gross to me. It's just gross. Well, I don't like tea. So uh, we're right, one for like one. Yeah, yeah, I hate tea. hate sweet tea. I hate unsweetened <clears throat> tea. I hate hot tea. Yeah, I, I hate, drink hot tea, so... I hate tea all around the all around the board. Yeah. And I wish I didn't because I, I want to... It seems sophisticated, right? Like hot tea. You're like, ooh. Sweet tea. No, I'm not sweet tea, but like hot tea. Like, oh yes, I'm drinking Earl Grey, or okay. <laughs> to me, it just seems sophisticated. I don't like it. Therefore, probably not sophisticated. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I just, I'm a shithead who likes to drink ash tray water. <laughs> just saying. I've never had it where, and I've had a lot of people are like, I hear, I've heard. Well, you know, when you when you need to stay up, you drink it. I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't put me in and a mood of oh my god, I, I'm 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 wired or anything. Well, you have but. to if you have to have it. I have to make it for you. Okay, that's shitty too. Thanks for this <laughs> terrible experience. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> 
So I, once again, hope everybody had a great weekend uh, or week rather. What day is it? And again, let me finish my coffee. Um, this week's uh, episode, I'm back to back. So you guys heard me last week and now you get to hear me this week. Whoop, whoop. Um, this week's episode is about cruise ship disappearances. Um, I find this very creepy as hell. Um, I love a cruise, but, um, you know, they have so many perks. I find them very convenient because, you know, they're all inclusive. I don't have to worry about pulling out my credit card for much. Um, I buy the drink card. Uh, I think Carrie and I bought the drink card the last time we went on a cruise. And of course, you know, unless you're going on excursions and whatnot, you're just paying up front. I think that's very convenient. Um, You have a reason to be lazy, sit around in the sun um, and read or drink or gamble um, or just lay in your room and watch TV, which Carrie's shaking her head like, yeah, uh for many, it's a lifestyle and they all call themselves uh, cruisers. If I'm not mistaken, if you like go on so many cruises or whatever, and that's your main vacation type, I think they're called cruisers. So, um, the last cruise we went on was the crime cruise. Yeah. Which from a crime perspective kind of sucked. Um, not going to lie. Um, no offense to people who thought it was awesome. I thought it was just stuff that had been already talked about a million times. Right. Um, there was nothing exciting about it. Um, crime con was much better. Um, however, um, I think there is the 2023 crime cru- cruise is what in Mexico and we're still debating on, on I whether can't going remember where it's at. I think it's Mexico. I know there, I know Cosimel, I think. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they are fun. Um, but did you know that there have been a shocking number of cruise ship disappearances over the years? I did know this. Did you? Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, um, I've, I've read reports anywhere from 170 to 313, but I'm going with a 200, 200 people that have gone missing since 2000. I'm looking to see if you're going to talk about my favorite one, but we'll see. Let's think about that for just a second in terms of like disappearances. Like you're in a boat or on a boat rather in the middle of the ocean where you find out someone has just vanished. You haven't docked. You haven't gone outside you're on the boat for several days and then someone's just gone how do you explain that Uh, there's no explanation there's little evidence to go on did they accidentally fall overboard and no one saw them Um, have they been kidnapped and held in a room well this makes for a great mystery Um, it happens and families are left dealing with the impact of a missed loved one In today's episode, we're going to delve into a couple of the more mysterious vanishing acts that have occurred on on cruise ships. So this first one, um, I think, is pretty well known. Um, On March 21st, 1998, a lady by the name of Amy Lynn Bradley and her family boarded the Rhapsody of the Seas operated by Royal Caribbean out of Puerto Rico. The family of four to include Amy's mother, Iva, uh, her father, Ron, and brother, Brad. Yes, his name is Brad Bradley. I just have to call that out. And why would you do that? Um, We're headed to Aruba and Curacao in the Netherlands Antilles. 
No, I've never been in that area at all. It sounds marvelous. I would love to go. Um, yeah. But never, I've never been anywhere near the Netherlands Antilles. Um, it was around 5.30 a.m. on March 24th, 1998, that Ron glanced out at the balcony of his cabin and saw Amy sleeping peacefully. 30 minutes later, he looked up again, and she was gone, never to be seen again. Sleeping on the balcony? Yeah, just asleep <clears throat> on the balcony. Well, on on our, I'm trying to think, on <clears throat> the cruise I just came back oh, yes. from, yep. the balconies all had hammocks. So, mm. yeah, that makes sense then. That's right. really nice. Yeah, I don't know if, and it was, I don't remember if it was Royal Caribbean. No, you guys went on Virgin. Virgin, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Royal Caribbean, I don't think we had. Well, we had an in, uh, inside cabin. So right. Yeah. We, we didn't even have a window. <laughs> yeah, we had we had a, an actual balcony. Yeah, with a hammock. Man, I would have been out there all day. That's fantastic. So, um, but he, you know, she's gone. Um, the only thing left behind were her shoes. Uh, she seemed to have taken her cigarettes and a lighter, but it was very unlike, uh, like, unlike her to not tell someone where she was going. But I feel like everybody who's disappeared, their significant others, their family members always say, oh, it's not unlike her to, you know, tell me where she's going. Right. Now, the easiest explanation for Amy Lynn Bradley's disappearance was maybe she fell overboard and was swallowed by the ocean waves. But Amy, according to her parents, was a very strong swimmer and uh, actually a trained lifeguard. Not to mention the ship was just docked offshore of Curacao. So it wasn't like she, had she fallen over, she likely would have been able to swim to safety, you know, to the shore. Her brother was reportedly the last person to have spoken to her around 1 a.m., having exchanged a, you know, bye, love you comment uh, before heading off to sleep. That night, Amy and Brad had been partying in one ship's club um, and listening to one of the bands called the Blue Orchid. Now, it was just the band that had been on the ship um, throughout that time. Amy had gotten friendly with one of the band members. His name was Alistair Douglas, a.k.a. Yellow. Now, why his name was Yellow, I have no idea. Um, but she was chatting him up where afterward, the pair went back being her brother and her, um, went back to the family cabin after some time. Now, I want to describe the cabin layout because I thought it was weird that no one heard or saw anything considering how small the cabins are if you've been on a cruise. Uh, but quickly realized that's only because I'm third-class citizen. I've, I've never had the money to actually stay in a room that didn't have bunk beds or a 10-inch bathroom. Right. Um, They're small. Yeah, and so I feel like... This cabin, and when I went and looked it up online, they it, were in a suite. They were, yes, they were in a, a family suite. Um, it was actually called the Royal Family Suite, and it appeared to have multiple rooms. And it had three separate rooms. So they had like a one bedroom that had twin beds, and then they had a couch area, and then they had a whole separate other room with like a king or queen size bed. So it is feasible for her parents and brother to not have seen or heard anything after Ron had originally seen her on the balcony. Uh, Ron thought that maybe Amy had gone back to her own room, um, but a quick check of the cabin proved fruitless. 
There was nobody in there except his wife as well as Brad. So Brad went looking for the band members from the night before uh, after checking everywhere on the deck. Uh, When he finally ran into him, you know, the band members are saying, sorry to hear about your sister. Now, how did they know that she had disappeared? Um, Unless, of course, news amongst the cruise members had gone like super fast and spread like wildfire. But I find that very odd that they would say that. Brad went to look for the band members. So did he not say, hey, where's my sister? He did. But then he was like, you know, walked up to them upon one of the band members, you know, flat out said, hey, sorry about your sister before he could say anything. So I think that's very odd and telling. Oh, hmm. So, but I mean, it kind of alludes to the fact maybe they knew something had happened. Hmm, yeah. Or did something to her. Well, if Amy had left on her own volition, this gave her the opportunity to sneak off the boat because they were right there at Carousel. But her family refused to believe that she would have run away. It just, it didn't make any sense as Amy had a new job, a new apartment back in Virginia, and would never leave her pet bulldog, Daisy, who she loved very much. Amy's parents begged the crew to keep the ship away from the dock in hopes of, you know, preventing a potential kidnapper from taking her off the boat, you know, and sneaking her off and then disappearing into the crowd. But to top it off, the you know, the crew wouldn't even page her. Um, and they, they refused to do so until they were at port. So until they actually docked the ship. The reason they didn't want to announce her disappearance or hang photos of her around the vessel because it might upset other passengers. All right. Well, um, that's ridiculous. And <clears throat> I know it's 19, what, 98? But let me tell you, I would fly my fucking broom around. I know. You wouldn't need a broadcast if oh, I was I, on that ship. I, and I don't understand. I, I get it. I'm sure it. they you, got sued. I'm sure she should sued the pants off of them for that. Absolutely. And, I mean, when we were, I can't remember. <clears throat> I don't know what's wrong with my voice, but. Whether it was you and I or if it was Patrick and I, but there were announcements every ten damn minutes. On the oh last yeah, one. I re- yeah they you heard them all the time. So I don't know, and I would imagine that there was probably some kind of lawsuit after the fact because the crew is seeming like they're not helping at all. Exactly. They're more concerned about their their name, their brand. Let's not freak anyone out. Which is, I'm sorry, it's just that's not up to snuff. Although the ship was searched, the crew only searched the common areas, uh, not a, not staff or passenger cabins. So they weren't going in everybody's cabin to check things out. And a quick search of the water from above didn't provide any evidence of Amy falling overboard. Not to mention there wasn't a body anywhere in the water. And that water is pretty clear. Um, I, I, trust me, I looked it up. So <laughs> I would think that you'd be able to see somebody floating. Um, With virtually no help from the crew, the family turns their attention to the cruise ship staff. They believe that certain people on board had been giving their daughter, quote-unquote, special attention. Amy was very cute. She was about 5'6", weighed about 120 pounds, and had a really great figure. She wore her hair very short, um, which I think fit her face very well. Um, You know, some people just can't wear short hair, and they look awful uh but she really rocked that style needless to say she was likely to have turned heads and her mother said it was very obvious that certain crew members were paying her special attention i want to just interject there 
Okay. I don't know how many thousands of people, but I'm sure she wasn't the only one. Oh, agreed. Clearly the only one that went missing. Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. But, and, and I, well. But, I, you know, missing, if I'm missing my child, I'm, I'm, everything's coming out. Oh, absolutely. I You're, saw you looking at my daughter yesterday. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, at one point, Ron Bradley remembered one of the waiters asking for Amy's name, saying that, quote, they wanted to take her to Carlos and Charlie's restaurant during the ship's dock in Aruba, end quote. When they asked his daughter about it, Amy responder, responded, quote, I wouldn't go and do anything with any of those crew members. They give me the creeps. Yeah. End quote. And, you know, I've, I find... Some of them a little creepy, no offense, but I mean, there's creepiness in, in people who aren't on cruise ships for that matter. So, you know, and a lot of them are from other countries, um, different cultures and things like that. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but this anecdote is even creepier given that Carlos and Charlie's restaurant is where Natalie Holloway, an 18-year-old American woman who disappeared in Aruba in 2005, was last seen, which really gives me the creeps. Uh, the Bradley family also heard from witnesses who had seen Amy early in the morning. She had disappeared with Alistair Douglas, the man referred to as yellow, um, in the vicinity of the ship's dance club around 6 a.m. However, yellow emphatically denies this accusation because remember, her and her brother went back to the room at 1 a.m. Now, yellow is saying, you know, yeah, maybe I, I was with her, but people had said that they saw them together at 6 a.m., which would align with Ron's time because, you know, he woke up 5.30, went back to sleep, woke up at 6, and she's not there. So did she go to the dance club at 6 a.m., which seems kind of weird. But um, Amy's mother had been quoted as saying, quote, my gut feeling to this day was somebody saw her, somebody wanted her, and somebody took her, end quote. The family's fears about Amy's disappearance were not unfounded. Although the initial investigation led nowhere, multiple people in the Caribbean have claimed to have seen their daughter over the years. In August of 1998, five months after she went missing, two Canadian tourists spotted a woman who matched Amy's description on a beach. The woman had seen the same tattoos as Amy, a Tasmanian devil with a basketball on her shoulder, a sun on her lower back and then a Chinese symbol on her right ankle and a lizard on her navel. One of the tourists, David Carmichael, says he is 100% sure that that was Amy Lynn Bradley. In 1999, a member of the Navy um, visited a brothel in Curacao and met a woman who told him her name was Amy Lynn Bradley. She begged for his help, but he didn't report it because he didn't want to get into trouble. Uh, probably because he was at a brothel or he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, given he was in the Navy. Oh, wow. And the officer sat on the information until he saw Amy's face on a People magazine and then finally came forward. Um, which, shame on him. That's, you know, disgusting. I, I can say that I, there's a lot of people that I particularly don't care for, but I think at the end of the day, if there was somebody who needed help like that. Absolutely. The I couldn't be bothered situation or I don't want to get caught card would have to go out the window. Exactly. You have to help somebody. 
Well, it's, it's because part you, of your character. It's part right. of your moral compass. I was about to say you're the shittiest of you, people. This person is absolutely. one of the shittiest people. Agreed. Screw you, Navy and, guy. And and karma will come back to him. Karma comes around the block, I'm telling you. Oh, absolutely. That year, the family received another promising clue in the form of an email. Witnesses say they believed she was being held by armed Colombians on the island of Carousel. So that kind of aligns with the brothel situation there. Um, a guy by the name of Frank Jones claimed to be a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer and had connections with Navy SEALs and Army Rangers. In his email to Ron, he said he could put Amy on his back and swim her back to safety as Dutch officials said that there was no evidence of a crime having been committed, so they couldn't go in themselves and drag her out. Uh, Amy's family, desperate to have their daughter back, felt like Jones may be the answer to their prayers. At this point, the case had drawn a lot of attention, and reporters not to mention there was a $250,000 reward in place to anyone that could bring Amy home. Jones actually seemed legit, so the Joneses hired him to recover their daughter. Now, I'm a little leery of the fact that somebody's emailing me saying that they're part of, you know, the military. I know Navy SEALs, and I'm going to swim her out. I, I, I mean, to me, to me, that's a little far-fetched. But again, my daughter's missing, and I am desperate to... You do your research, and you give them the money, and you hope, hope you see your daughter. Exactly. Well, Jones sends two of his men down to Curacao to check out the account given to the family by the witness. Um, and one was, uh, they're talking to this one person, and it, it's a cook named uh, Judith Margarita. Margarita had told the family that Amy was being held by heavily armed Colombian guards in a housing complex protected with barbed wire. She also said that she regularly saw Amy shopping at a grocery store and working out at a gym, and that she was often with a man with long blonde hair and tattoos, all the way down one arm, so he had a tattoo sleeve. Margarita also gave the family an accurate description of tattoos that Amy had, and hummed a lullaby that Iva Bradley used to sing to her daughter when she was a baby. Uh, and so at, with all this information, the family was convinced she was telling the truth. So Jones sent the family a report saying that this that his men, whom he described as a former Navy SEAL, um, and I think they both were Amy, um, Navy SEALs, they set up surveillance points at the locations where Margarita indicated and observed Amy in a dark green SUV driven by a captor with long blonde hair. The report said Amy was in a dangerous situation and under guard and that Jones's men were forced to leave after a week on the island when they were, quote, fired upon by an estimated 10 men, end quote. Over the next few months, Jones's, or Jones tells the family that he set more operatives to the island and provided a series of reports on the latest sightings of their daughter. The family was terrified that Amy was in imminent. Why can't I say that? Imminent? Imminent. Imminent. Eminem. Imminent. <laughs> Danger of being executed by her captors. Then Jones finally told them it was time to attempt a rescue. So they're, they're gearing up for this rescue. He's going to plop her on his back and swim on out. Um, but guess what? I need some more money. Uh, when the family demanded proof that the woman Jones's men were tracking was their daughter, he sent them some photographs. 
of her sitting on the beach with this blonde haired man with tattoos. And Iva was convinced it was her Amy as she recognized the tattoo on her ankle. So the Bradley sent Jones more money, bringing the total amount um, that they had paid him to $210,000, some $24,000 from their own pocket, plus $186,000 from a fund set up for Amy's search by the nation's missing children organization. The family then flies down to Florida. They wait in a hotel with a private jet provided by Ron's employer, an insurance company standing by. So everybody's waiting to bring Amy home. They sit in this hotel for a week, thinking any minute they're going to get a phone call. Well, days go by, and the call never comes. Well, down in Curacao, one of Jones's men, former Army Special Forces sniper Tim Buckholtz, began to wonder whether Jones was actually telling the truth to the family. Uh, Bob Holtz was assigned to watch the house where Amy was supposedly being held, but never saw any sign of her. Instead, he discovered that the residents of the house were just ordinary people. When Buckholtz later overhears Jones tell the Bradleys from a bar that his quote-unquote people were watching the house at that very moment, he realized it was all just a farce. It was a big lie. Turns out these pictures of Amy were actually taken on the beach of Pensacola, Florida, with Jones posing in a blonde wig, and Amy was an acquaintance of his. So this guy is probably a bigger piece of shit than the other guy. God. Can you imagine? I mean, I would be so devastated. I don't I think enraged to the point of you have fooled me. I was so excited that I thought my daughter was coming home and you completely the pain look like a fool. No, it would be more than that. The pain that you would have there would be unimaginable. No, I, I would be in jail. Uh, yeah. I'd have to kill him. <clears throat> um, well, it turns out that Jones had never served in the special forces and, and had made up the whole story about his men seeing Amy on the island. In February 2002, federal prosecutors in Richmond charged him with defrauding the Bradleys of $24,000 and the missing or the nation's missing children's organization of $186,416. Jones pled guilty to mail fraud in April and was sentenced to five years in prison in order to repay the money. Thank God. Well, Margaretha, who was the cook who claimed to have seen Amy numerous times, was also a fraud. Shocker. According to her son, Giovanni Margarita, um, who worked at a security forum, um, firm in Curacao, uh, Judith Margarita denied lying to the Bradleys, although they had paid her about $8,000 for her information. And she still stands by what she told them, saying that she was just trying to help them find their daughter. I guess I would, too. Um, Ron Bradley said afterward, quote, if there's a chance, I mean, what else do you do? It, if it was your child, what would you do? So I guess we took a chance and I guess we lost. That's fair. (laughs) I I would absolutely, I I would do whatever I could to find my child. Uh, six years later, a woman claimed to have seen Bradley in a department store restroom in Barbados. According to the witness, the woman she met introduced herself as Amy from Virginia and was fighting with two or three men. Of course, that led to no, you know, other evidence and the, that lead was dropped. 
And in 2005, the Bradleys received an email containing a photo of a woman who appeared to be Amy lying on a bed in her underwear. A member of an organization that locates sex trafficking victims on an adult website noticed the photo and thought it could be Amy. Now, I've provided some pictures, Carrie, for you to look at. So the one on the right is Amy. And if you guys go and look up Amy Lynn Bradley, and we'll post this on the website, but um, she is... On one side of the picture, and then the left-hand side is a picture of the woman in her underwear kind of uh, laying to her side. Now, if you look at the two pictures, um, I just want you to study those for just a second. Uh, The woman in the photograph on the left is identified as Jazz, a sex worker in the Caribbean. Unfortunately, this upsetting clue didn't generate any leads. However, that photograph has supposedly been examined by some of the top forensic experts in the country, and they say it's quite possible that could be Amy. Now, I would like to get your opinion. Um, Dr. Phil, who is not a forensic expert, pointed out the similarities in her cheekbones, her hairline, her chin, and even a mark that Iva pointed out um, was a freckle right below her eye. And like I said, I'll post these pictures for you guys to compare. But curious, uh, Carrie, what do you think? And do you think they look like Amy? So the short hair is actually Amy. We know for a fact, right? Correct. Here. Yes. Here and here. Correct. Yes. And these three are the sex workers with the long hair? Yes. Or jazz? Jazz. Yes. So... It's hard for me to see like uh, any other scars or marks here, but I would say there's definitely a very close resemblance. I I agree. I think the cheeks, I think the cheeks. Well, the the downward smile is what is for me. I'm like, look at that. But, um, yeah. And, and even the eyebrows, and they're heavily makeuped on jazz. Yeah. You know, you could see that they're very well filled in, it looks like. Um, and even the hair texture, to some degree, um, it looks familiar. But again, you know, you're looking at a picture. It, it's hard to tell. It's it's. I mean, like, it, if I was a parent, God forbid this ever happened to me. Right. It, this would be enough to go, this is my baby. We right. all have a doppelganger out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I would still, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night until I knew who this person was. Yeah, the only thing that that I kind of say, well, maybe it's not her, is the chest. Um, yeah. Amy did not have, she she's, was not very well endowed. She, honestly, I'll say it. She's very flat chested here. Yeah, and, and the And pit, Jazz has. She's got something. I mean, but she, yeah, I mean, it could be. But I will say in that first picture, look how long her neck is, too. Yep. Yep. That's another thing, too. Her neck looks really long there. Yeah. And when she smiles, it doesn't look like she does the downward chin thing. Correct. Like the other. There's, I would still, this would still be enough for me to question. I agree. I agree. Like I said, I'll post these. Um, and, and if you're looking it up right now, you can, you can look and see the differences um, and similarities, for that matter. Um, 
Today, the insta- uh, investigation into Amy Lynn Bradley's disappearance is ongoing. Uh, the FBI and the Bradley family have both offered sizable rewards for information on her whereabouts. However, for now, her disappearance remains a disturbing mystery. Um, so I don't know if anybody um, has ever had that happen to them as far as finding or not finding a missing loved one on a cruise ship. But I, the torture uh, to me is because is, you just don't know what happened don't know what happened and you just don't stop looking. So this next case to me is creepy as hell and maybe more so than Amy's because it happened on a Disney cruise ship. Oh God. Where there are a million kids and really you're supposed to be in the happiest state um, and place on earth 24 seven. Anywhere there's a million kids is not the happiest state. And I'm I would not agree with be you. there 24 seven. I agree with you, but I mean, I'll, bite. I'll bite. It's Disney, right? Uh, yeah. It's Disney. You're supposed to be happy. Let's just put it that way. Where nothing right. bad happens. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed Kids to be so, in like this supposed bubble. supposed to be protected. Exactly. You should be able to, I mean, you always want to keep an eye on your kid, but you should be able to relax and let them play with the groups and, and know that they're going to be taken care of. Okay. That's the whole point of, yeah. to me, a Disney cruise. <laughs> Here, I put $10,000. Go, uh, go watch my damn kid. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> exactly. Stay in between the rails. <laughs> exactly. Don't climb on the walls. Um, 24-year-old England native Rebecca, who went by Becky um, Corum, suddenly disappeared. Um, she had actually worked as a youth caregiver on the Disney cruise ship Wonder. She was described as being a very energetic, happy, and a bit mischievous um, personality. She had recently graduated um, with a sports science degree at... Exeter, I think it's Ex- Exeter University. This and feels like an online school. Yeah, maybe, possibly. I have no idea. I don't know how you study sports science online. But um, at this point in her life, she was living her best life. Uh, she's working on a cruise ship, and hey, I'm single. I'm 24. I'm in the Caribbean nonstop. Well, in a route to Puerto Vallarta, um, Mexico from Los Angeles. Um, Becky was last seen on CCT footage on March 22nd, 2011 at 5.45 a.m. in the crew lounge talking on an internal phone line wearing, weirdly enough, men's clothing and acting visibly distressed. After hanging up the phone, she was neither seen nor heard from ever again. When Becky failed to report for her 9 a.m. shift, Disney staff were alerted to search the ship for her, but to no avail. The United States Coast Guard and Mexican Navy were then contacted to perform a search of the surrounding ocean, but also came up short of clues as to Becky's whereabouts. According to her father, Mike, uh, Disney disregarded standard operating procedures and didn't turn the ship around to look for his daughter. They just kept on going. Additionally, he states that the Navy and Coast Guard teams were given incorrect coordinates and likely searched the wrong area of the sea. So Becky could have been floating out there somewhere. They just were not in the right location. Under the flags of convenience system, jurisdiction of the case fell to the country of the ship's registration, which in this case fell under the tax umbrella of the Bahamas. Screwed, dude. 
Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I first did research um, on this case. Three whole days, it's three whole days after Becky's disappearance, Disney contacted the Royal Bahamas Police, um, otherwise known as RBPF, to conduct an inst- um, investigation. I mean, somebody goes missing. You've lost three whole days. Evidence has been touched. Um, things have probably been lost, covered up. You, I mean, what's the point at that point, in, in my opinion? Um, the RBPF responded by assigning just one detective named uh, Paul Royal, a Bahamian detective, to the case. And he was flown out by Disney via private jet to Los Angeles. He spent a maximum of one day aboard the Wonder once it uh, returned to port, interviewing only six, six of the 950 employees and zero of the 2,000 plus passengers. Yeah, because the uh, the passengers were home. Well, yeah, they were gone. Yeah, and to say that's an investigation, in my opinion, is a joke. Yeah, it's a uh, six people. That's not well. That's nothing. That's a free trip to Los Angeles or Thank wherever. You. That's all I got. Exactly. After several days of stalled communication, Disney flew out Rebecca's parents, Mike and Anne, uh, to meet with the detective and the ship's captain in Los Angeles. In the matter of their missing daughter. The family was treated, quote, Disney style, end quote. Now, by Disney style, we mean a very tightly controlled visit to the ship before it set sail again. Oh, you mean cover your ass style? Exactly. Uh, They were met by a car with blacked out windows, and it was obvious to the couple that they did not want them to leave the hotel alone. Now, Disney is multi-trillionaires. You know, they've got money out the wazoo. They're covering their name up, in my opinion. Um, We got to save that brand. Not to mention you also have Royal Caribbean, or I'm sorry, not Royal Caribbean. You also have, you know, the Bahamian police. They're trying to, I mean, they're very tourist-oriented. You want to cover this up. I think there's a lot of cover-up in this um, scenario. Um, So they meet with the captain and the officials from Disney in a small room on board uh, the ship where they are shown the CCTV footage of their daughter. In the video, Becky appears to be fine for the most part, while others have said that she looked very distressed and she's wearing men's clothing. Her parents feel like she looks fine to them. There's nothing going on. Um, When asked if they could have a copy of the video, they were curtly told no. Um, They weren't even given the opportunity to question the crew. Instead, they were shown her room, the staff quarters, and to deck five, where they said officials put forward a theory that Becky had been swept overboard by a rogue wave. Uh, The captain basically said it was likely Becky had been swept off of deck five by this giant wave. Okay, do you know shit about a rogue wave? Do you know? Because, all right. I zero because this these are things that interest me and like the super volcanoes and all this. So a rogue wave, if that were to have happened, would have crashed the entire side of that ship in. And now, like, would it have been demolished and destroyed? No, but they have been known to hit unexplained out of the middle of nowhere. Like we were talking about those thunderstorms in the mountains in our last episode. Right. They, uh, they hit, 
they crash in, they can break glass, they pull in out chairs, they can suck people out. It's not, that's a ridiculous. I agree. I agree. Well, Disney, um, to help support this theory, um, they showed Mike and Ann a sandal that allegedly belonged to Becky that was recovered from that deck five. But when the couple was escorted to deck five, that whole theory, just like you said, didn't seem to add up. Because it's bullshit. For one, the sandal that was supposedly recovered had the name and cabin number of another crew member. So not to mention it was the wrong size. And the style was not something that Becky would have ever worn. So there's one. In addition, Deck 5, which has a crew swimming pool area directly in front of the ship's bridge and guarded by walls reaching over six feet high. So the weather and ocean conditions during the hours of 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. on March 22nd showed no indication of stormy weather, much less a 100 feet high rogue wave which is the height that the wave would have had to have been to top the six-foot wall to sweep Becky off the damn boat. And it would have had to have been a, a fucking magical road wave to not do any other damage. Exactly. I was thinking, you know people would have heard that. People oh, would have been... The whole boat would have probably jolted. People would have... Yeah, they would have felt it and they would have heard it. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been, to me, something like experiencing an earthquake. If you're on the boat, right? That wave crashing, the ship's shaking. I imagine something. that it would be very, very obvious to every single person on that boat. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, that's all. I mean, I've never experienced one, but from what I've seen and read, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think it would have gone unnoticed, yeah, to say exactly. the least. Yeah. Unsatisfied with the Disney's account of their daughter's disappearance, because I sure as hell would have been. Uh, the Coriums hired a private investigator by the name of Roy Ram, a former specialist of Scotland Yard. I like him already. Of course. And sought the aid of Chester MP Chris Matheson and former Deputy Prime Minister Lord Prescott. So some very important people. I love how, you know, overseas it's Lord and, you know, Scotland Yard. It just sounds important. Anyway, what they recovered... Um, or uncovered, is disturbing to say the least. Uh, for starters, the primary piece of physical evidence in Becky's disappearance is the CCT um, TV foot footage of her talking on an internal phone line at the time she was last seen. Well, investigator um, Ram discovered that the CCTV um, TV footage had been cropped to hide the timestamp and the location. So, you know, when you're looking at the video, it's got that... I guess the seconds rolling or whatever, they cut that out. Like Disney cut it out, like copy paste. <laughs> According to Disney, the CCTV footage was shot inside on deck five where Becky was allegedly swept overboard. So after viewing or viewing the undoctored copy of the footage, Ram and his team learned that it was actually shot on deck one. So not even anywhere close to deck five and nowhere near where the accident supposedly happened. Yep. Bullshit. Agreed. Um, a few months after Becky's disappearance, um, investigative journalist John Ronson of The Guardian sailed aboard the Wonder in an attempt to try and make sense of everything. In talking with the crew members, Robeson uh, uncovered suspicious and even sinister intentions behind Disney's explanation of the case. 
One crew member disclosed, quote, Disney knows exactly what happened. That phone call she had had, it was taped. Everything here is taped. There's CCTV everywhere. Disney has the tape, end quote. When asked Becky um, about Becky, another crew member replied by saying, quote, I don't know anything about it. It didn't happen. You know that's the answer I have to give, end quote. It's so scandalous. It's so very scandalous. And I guess they're just afraid of losing their jobs or Disney suing them. I mean, you've got this huge, powerful company. And, it's ridiculous. And, and apparently everything's just been one big cover-up. Well, in 2016, investigator, investigator Ram uncovered a ripped pair of shorts within Becky's remaining personal effects from her cabin. He and other law enforcement believe this pointed to signs of a struggle, perhaps even a sexual assault um, right before her disappearance. It was also discovered that after Becky's disappearance, the family noticed that there had been activity on her bank account, as well as a changed password on her Facebook. Now, who would have done that and why? I could see someone, you know, stealing her bank card um, just because there was opportunity to do that. Um, but why someone would go into her Facebook account and change her password and not have an innocent reason for doing that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I can't think of one. I mean, truly, I don't know. It sounds to me like if you're going into somebody's Facebook account, it's because you're trying to cover something up. You know, maybe there was some communication, some angry words, something to, you know, well, throw somebody off the radar or investigators off the radar of coming to talk to you. If that's the case, that would be good because it's all online. You can get it back. It's it's out there. Right. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Period. So if they haven't found anything, then... Maybe it was just some weird coincidence. Maybe, but you know... I just find that very strange. It's absolutely, yeah. Well, one day before the anniversary of her disappearance, Becky's father received an email from a woman who said she was, quote, 85% sure, end quote. Uh, she had seen Becky with a dark-haired man in Venice, Italy. Be wary of emails, I'm just saying. Um... <laughs> The And she had been seen the previous August, supposedly. The family's website had aroused her memory, and the woman said, quote, it was very upsetting for everyone to think she could be out there somewhere after all this time, end quote, her uncle said. However, he noted Becky's passport um, was among, you know, one of the items her parents retrieved from the ship. So it was probably not like, her, you know, her, but that's not to say she hadn't been smuggled off the ship. Right. So, um, in 2017, a lady by the name of Tracy Medley, which is Becky's girlfriend at the time and coworker, eventually broke her silence and provided her opinion as to what happened the night of March 22nd. She claims that that night she and Becky engaged in a threesome with a male boyfriend of hers. According to Tracy, Becky had been distraught over their quote-unquote fiery and passionate relationship in the weeks prior. Um, the, shocking, the shock of sharing her lover with a male friend or perhaps maybe having to compete for Tracy's attention might have been enough to swing Becky's usually sunny mood into a state of despair. Tracy now believes that Becky wanted off the ship and her life and climbed over the six-foot railing to, of Deck 5 to jump into the ocean. 
I mean, her family, of course, does not believe that this would have happened um, and she wouldn't have taken her own life. I don't see, but again, you know, 24 years old, you're, you've got a relationship with this other woman and now you've had a threesome with a man, you know, maybe Tracy was swayed to go and play for the other team now. And so I don't know if, if that would have sent me into a tailspin, but you know, I was pretty emotional at 24. So I, I don't know if that's likely or not. I can't, I don't know that I'd climb a six foot wall. Well, yeah, I, yeah, but I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do find it interesting that Tracy would have come out after several years to now just talk about this. To me, it sounded like she, she wanted a part of some media attention. Yep. 15 minutes of fame. Exactly. Um, It's also no wonder that everyone involved, including members of law enforcement, believe that this was a botched investigation. Well, I mean, we don't know much, but we do know that. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, the fact that that Disney has covered up everything uh, and no one's pressing for more answers. I don't think the Bahamian police did jack shit. Um, With only six officially recorded interviews... Uh, withheld evidence and no forensic investigation, it is objectively hard to be satisfied with the level of police work conducted. A good friend and one of the last people aboard the ship to see Becky alive. Um, We never spoke to any security or police uh, at all about the case. They said that no one ever came up and said, hey, do you think something happened, you know, from a a homicide (laughs) perspective, a kidnapping perspective. Nobody ever talked to them. Um, How can you even call this investigation when there was essentially no investigating happening at all? Did she fall? Did she commit suicide? Did she run away or was she murdered? She kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, According to you hired investigator, Chris Matheson, quote, I believe there's sufficient evidence to indicate a crime may well have taken place. Um, end quote. Sadly, there have been no known updates to Becky's mysterious disappearance. And to this day, no one knows where or what happened to her. That's the, that's, I think we've already talked about this and I don't know if it was on this episode, maybe another episode, but I don't want anything to happen. Right. But I don't want to not know what happened. Could you imagine living the rest of your life, dying, not knowing where your child was, whether or not they were still alive or dead? That's, I, I, you don't, you just wouldn't give up searching. Yeah, it would be, it, I mean, I might as well kill myself, right? Because exactly. Because it would be an exhausting. It would be. Exhausting life. Mm-hmm. Exhausting life. Either way, uh, if you go cruising, make sure you're aware of your surroundings, for one. Um, carry pepper spray. I, I mean, something. Um, and for God's sakes, don't climb on the railings. Yeah. I'm just, that, that terrifies me. Now, I'm curious because you said before at the beginning of the episode, you were wondering if we covered your favorite, um, I say favorite, but um, most puzzling disappearance. Which one is that? So I have to be honest, um, and I know we talked about this in a previous episode, Mm -hmm. but uh, I mistook this episode for for ships instead of people. I've wanted to do the missing ships and it's Jenny, the, the ship that I've been, um, do just, tell like just real high level. 
it's there are well, like you just did the mm-hmm. the podcast where there's people that have vanished essentially oh, yeah. from cruise ships. Yeah, there are actual ships, mm-hmm. whether they were cargo um, cruise ships, kind of like the Malaysian flight, how it just yeah. disappeared. Right. Um, that are that just disappeared. Okay. And yeah. then the ship Jenny um, resurfaced. Interesting. So that um, so that is something that. I just got chill bumps because I was like, oh man, we're going to talk about that. And so that's my bad. That's okay. But that is good so, fodder for a new episode. That's so what I'm write thinking. That down. Maybe in the next few weeks, yeah. I'll, I'll put that together and we can have that as a follow up to, to the individuals that have mm. missed turn up specifically cruise ships right, right. For, for you. Yeah. Um, but mine would not include just cruise ships. Yeah, yeah. But very interesting. That so. is that is very interesting. Yeah. I, I find, I, as I was researching this, you know, topic, there are several um, disappearances that have actually been on like 48 hours, Dateline. Um, and and I wanted to do one that I hadn't heard much of, yeah. which is which is Becky's case. Um, Amy's I hadn't is, heard of either one of these. Really, Amy's I know has been on um, like Dateline 48 hours. I was always kind of, enamored with and enamored is probably the wrong word but just curious as to any more developments and and sadly there's been none um in these type of types of situations makes it you know very easy for people to fraud you know and just get the best of the family members and get money out of which i find very heartbreaking but um, just going through the list of people that have disappeared off cruise ship is, is very unnerving, right? Very unnerving. So, so that's all I have for this week's episode. Um, I hope everybody has a great week. If you're going on a cruise, like I said, don't climb on the railings, um, stay safe and don't do anything stupid. Have a fantastic week and we'll catch up soon. Bye. 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 This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, please visit statusmacabre.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, And you, our listeners, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.